Is that okay? Yeah. Thanks for having me here uh, again, and thank you for returning after this morning. And um, it's, it's a privilege and a blessing to be here and, and speak at Milton Baptist Church, and ultimately to preach God's word, because that's what it is all about, isn't it? And to um, proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, it's a privilege and a blessing and to open God's word. So without um, uh, anything else to say about that, um, if you want to know more about the work, uh, speak to me afterwards or outside in the, in the entrance hall there. That's what we spoke about this morning. But if you've got your Bibles with you, um, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I've been to many churches now and the clock in the church is always in a different place. The, the less spiritual the church, the clock is at the front. And the more spiritual you get, it head, heads towards the back. Um, so this is a very spiritual church because you can't see it. Um, um, but mind you, it's a reminder to myself. So the most spiritual church is there is no clock. Um, but I was at a, a meeting once and there was a clock on the wall there. And a lady at the meeting, um, was, was, uh, I was speaking, and she kept looking at the clock. And this was after about 10 minutes, this was. And, uh, and look, looking, looking at the clock, looking at the clock. It was hard for me not to get down and go over to the clock, take it off the wall and give it to her and say, there you are. Um, you don't have to turn your head now to look. But anyway, it doesn't matter, isn't it? If, if we're having a good time in the Lord, that's the most important thing. First Samuel chapter 16, we'll read the first uh, number of verses. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. 
Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And we do pray the Lord would uh, add the blessing to his precious word this evening. Let's come before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Almighty God and everlasting Father, we thank you that we can come before thee boldly in the name and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. We thank you, Lord, that yes, we do have humble hearts and we pray that you would humble us this evening, humble each and every one of us here this evening, that we may be still and hear your voice speaking to us. We realise, Lord, that we are just sinners. Father, there are people here, I'm sure, which are sinners and are yet in their sins, yet outside of Christ, undone in their sins, and know not the saving grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, through his wonderful, precious blood, that atoning flow. And we do pray that you would convict them of their great need of salvation, a great need to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. And be reconciled to a thrice holy God. But also, Lord, I pray that you would convict us who have believed. We who have um, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We who are sinners saved by grace. And Father, we thank you that we are kept by the power of God. We have saving grace, but also we have serving grace. And we serve thee by by thine own power. And we pray that we would please thee this night. Move me aside and again out of the way that the people would hear you speaking your voice and not my own lord as we minister thy words speak to us lord we pray and help us to learn more of this wonderful um, foreshadowing of the messiah of israel and the savior of the world and what it speaks to us today in 2021 also we thank you father and praise thine holy name and pray everything that will be done to your honor and glory through jesus christ our lord and savior amen Come with me to the sacrifice is a portion of one of the verses we just read. Come with me to the sacrifice. Or we can call this the Messiah foreshadowed. I want to look at the name uh, of Messiah, the town of Messiah, the form of Messiah, and finally the seal of Messiah. Hopefully we'll get through all these. But you'll understand, leading up to this portion of scripture, to this part in the history and the life of the nation of Israel, Saul Um, has been king over Israel and he has failed. Uh, He hasn't failed in his own sight but he has failed in the sight of God to lead the um, children of Israel in the ways of God. They asked for a king and he became king over them but but he failed and he is a picture of all of Israel which failed to do what the Lord commanded them and wanted them to do. You only have to turn back to um, chapter 15 and we read in verse um, 13 and Samuel because he told the Amalek uh, sorry he told Saul to destroy the Amaleks completely wipe them out all of them including the 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 um, animals but we read in in verse 13 and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him blessed be thou of the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord uh, Saul says and Samuel said what meaneth then this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear he took those possessions for his um, bounty, for his for his um, his war gain, and he didn't utterly destroy those animals. 
What mean then all these things, these signs that you have disregarded the word of the Lord? You're lying to me, um, Samuel says to Saul. And basically, we we won't read it now for time, but Samuel says that God has rejected Saul and completely rejected him. And um, it says uh, in verse 31, So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. And, uh, and uh, uh, we go on to read about Samuel um, um, slew uh, the Amalek, the, the king, Agag, the king of Amalek, sorry. In verse 35, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So Samuel had some sort of um, affection for Saul because he mourned for him that he'd been rejected. But what is the word of the Lord straight after this? In verse uh, chapter one of um, chapter 16, I'm sorry, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from, being, uh, from reigning over Israel? You see, stop mourning for this one I have rejected. We are looking here now at the name of the Messiah. There's a wonderful foreshadowing of Christ in this very part of scripture we've just read this evening. A wonderful foreshadowing, a wonderful prophecy which the Jewish people should have seen and taken heed to. And you'll see what I mean in a moment. Um, the name of Messiah, um, verses 1 to 3. How long will you mourn for um, uh, Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. You see, God speaks to all Israel in that day and indeed today. How long will you mourn for, for this way of rejecting me? He was speaking to all of Israel, not just Saul. You have rejected my ways, my commandments, and gone after the way of Baalim and, and sin. You've done all these wickedness, uh, wickednesses and sins, and you continue to reject me and my ordinances, he's saying. But he goes and says to um, Samuel, fill thine horn with oil and go. And I'm sure you know oil in the Old Testament is a picture of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Fill thine horn with oil and go. And we can see it's not a perfect type here, um, but we can see a bit of a picture of John the Baptist and Christ. And John the Baptist, in a way, in a, in a way anointing um, the, the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism uh, in the Gospels, as we see later on in Scripture. But we see that. It's not a perfect figure, but, but we see a foreshadowing it, of it here. Fill thine horn with oil and go. And, uh, and uh, he, he sends him to Bethlehem. He says, uh, and I, I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And notice that word, Bethlehem. That should, you know, speak volumes to us, Bethlehem, the house of bread, where the bread uh, of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, arose from. For I have provided me a king among his sons. I, the Lord says, have provided me a king. The Lord, this is what the Lord says. I have provided me a king. You have failed in providing a king for yourselves, Israel, but I have provided myself a king for myself, for my purposes and for my ultimate glory. David was to be a man after God's own heart. I have provided me a king among his sons, i.e., in other words, from among the sons of Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Judah, uh, which we know where our Lord came from. Uh, It foreshadows the Lord so much. We we see now the name of Messiah. 
Um, I have provided me a king among his sons. Verse 2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And, if, and uh, you know, basically, that's unbelief, isn't it? Unbelief and, and, and failure to do what the Lord says and doubting the Lord. I'm sure we've all been there at some point, but it's unbelief. But the Lord doesn't say, oh, okay then, but he just says, go, go and do what I've commanded you. And he says, and the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, this should have spoken volumes to the Jewish people down through the ages. Already it's speaking about the sacrifice. Go and, 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 and find the son of Bethlehem. And I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. It's a sacrifice, not to men, not a sacrifice to people, but a sacrifice to the Lord. He says there, a clear indication of the coming Messiah and Christ, the one who is to be sacrificed for our sins. And verse 3, and, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. So he, he is to take an heifer, and you remember under the Mosaic system, we won't read that now for time, but the, re- the heifer, the red heifer signifying Christ, which was to be the blood, uh, his blood was to be shed for us. But it says at the end of verse 3 that we've just read, and um, we're looking at this part, the name of Messiah, it says there, and thou shalt anoint unto me, unto me, God, him whom I name unto thee. And that's so important. Him whom I name. This is, this is pro- prophecy. Yes, it had a, um, a literal fulfillment, an immediate fulfillment in David, but a further fulfillment in the greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. Him whom I name. And it's so important to observe that. God is about to name David and more importantly, his greater son, the Messiah, the, 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 the Lord of Israel, the King of Israel, the Savior of the world, our Lord and Savior. This wonderful fulfillment of this type. Keep your finger there and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Obviously, it's a very well-known passage of scripture. I'm sure you will know it. Isaiah chapter 7. Bearing in mind about this passage in 1 Samuel was written about three or four hundred years before, before Isaiah and it says in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. So they're talking about his name, just as the Lord spoke to Samuel. And he, he says, I will name him to you. And, his name shall, and you shall call his name um, God with us, Emmanuel. That's what you shall call his name, God with us. Turn over one page to chapter 9. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Here's this amazing prophecy now, this wonderful prophecy here. And after that part where it says unto us a son is given, there's a colon there. And that colon is the complete church age, this dispensation. And after that, you're talking about the millennial kingdom. But we'll read it anyway. And it says there, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And think about this as we're reading this. 
a few hundred years after the prophecy was given in 1 Samuel to the Jewish people upon um, the throne of David. He's naming David, his son, the, the son of David there. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Messiah, Christ, was to be God himself, the son of God the greatest son of David, and he was to be named specifically in this prophecy, said his name shall, um, sh- uh, shall be. Um, and it gives all those names like you've got written on your glass window at the back of the church here. And he shall sit upon the throne of David as well. Uh, we read this morning, didn't we? Uh, um, if you turn over a couple of um, uh, uh, pages to chapter 12, we read this morning where it says there, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. And we know the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua, Jesus. So he was plainly named um, three or four hundred years after um, this prophecy in 1 Samuel in Isaiah here very clearly named um, uh, who, it, who it was to be. So it's a foreshadowing of the Messiah, the name of the Messiah. And in, um, let's, look at, let's look at Matthew chapter 1. This is very, very, very elementary, simple stuff. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for thou shalt, uh, sorry, for, thou, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And his name there, Jesus, he who is to be born in um, Bethlehem. And Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. There's more detail here. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. So there's no doubt about it. The wonderful foreshadowing of the Messiah and the name of Messiah in this passage, our passage of 1 Samuel chapter 16. The name of Messiah. Him who I shall name unto thee. You see, if you are here today and you're not trusting in Christ for salvation, you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus for salvation, there is no salvation apart from him. There is none other name under heaven None other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You must call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now in verse 4 we see the town of Messiah. And Samuel did, uh, did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. So he came to Bethlehem. We can see a little foreshadowing, just a little foreshadowing of or maybe John the Baptist here. And he came to Bethlehem. I'm not, I'm not saying that John the Baptist was in Bethlehem, but I'm making a point of Bethlehem. Um, he, um, he came to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. They trembled at his coming. You know, 
those kings, those wise men who brought the gifts to the baby Lord Jesus, they kneeled down and worshipped him, the Bible says. They worshipped him. That he trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. So he called the sons of, of, of um, Bethlehem to the sacrifice. And there was one son among the sons of Bethlehem who was to be the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Uh, and we see this plainly foreshadowed here in the town of Messiah. But they, they said, do you come peaceably? Because they, they, this is Samuel, the one who just slew the great king Agag. Do you come peaceably? Yes, peaceably. And they must have been relieved. Come with me to the sacrifice. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ, he became incarnate in the flesh in Bethlehem. He came to Israel. He came peaceably. He came peaceably and he was showed um, to Israel, Jerusalem, on a little donkey and on, the, 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 uh, on, on an ass and the, the, the child of, of an ass, of a, a donkey, just so peaceably. He came in peace, in love. He gave himself in love, not just for Israel, for, but for us Gentiles, for the sins of the whole world. He came peaceably. Now is the day of salvation. Call upon him now while you have peace. Because there's coming a day when he won't come peaceably, but he shall come back on that white horse as it speaks about in Revelation and in Scripture. It says he will come to rule and to, and to conquer. He shall conquer. And every knee shall bow. Even those knees which have not yet bowed, they shall bow the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you come peaceably? Yes, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Come with me to the sacrifice. Have you come with me to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus of Bethlehem, the one who was sacrificed at Calvary. Have you come to him? Have you come to the sacrifice? That's the most important thing. Tremble now. And as Psalm 2 says, we, 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 we looked at that briefly this morning, kiss the Son, the Son of God, and tremble before him while you have opportunity. The town of Messiah. And now we see the form of Messiah from verse 6, verse 6 and 7. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab, <clears throat> This is uh, Jesse's son, Eliab. And he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now I find that interesting because back in verse 3, the Lord had just told Samuel, I will name him to you. I will actually name him to you. Um, but he, say, he thinks, mm, I wonder if this is him. You know, not even Samuel is perfect. But he says, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, the Lord spake to Samuel and said, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Saul was head and shoulders above the other mighty and great men of Israel. He was head and shoulders above them. You know, you'd look at him and say, Ooh, he's, he's, he's the leader. He's the one who's going to be the leader. He's a very noble-looking man. And in a worldly sense, 
he was, but not in the godly sense, you, you know. Our Lord Jesus Christ was nothing to look upon. Let's just read this again. And he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Don't look at the height of his stature. Don't look to those preachers who have a wonderful smile and, you know, everything's rosy and they'll tell you a wonderful plan. God's got a wonderful plan for your life, you know, just, just everything's fine. We're all on our way to heaven, you know, you know and all, the, all these things. All the televangelists who get in America, they say, oh, they've got vast crowds, vast crowds. This is a tiny um, gathering compared to what many people can gather in. But don't listen to them. You know, you, you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury or every, anyone, anyone, you know, whoever it is. I'm not particularly having a go at anyone in particular, no. But the point is, don't look upon the height of this stature. They're standing in society, that means. Just look as God looks upon the heart. And God wants us to look to Jesus, the humble carpenter who came into Jerusalem on a donkey. Look to him for salvation. The form of, my, of, of Messiah. Sorry, look with me to Isaiah again, chapter 53. And I'm sure you'll know this. Keep your finger in 1 Samuel, chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, just a very tender, slim, little thing. And as a root out of dry ground. You know, there's not much strength in the dry ground there. He hath no form, no comeliness. No form, no comeliness. Nothing wonderful, beautiful to look at. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. They wouldn't have seen him from afar and said, oh look, that is the Messiah, that's the King of Israel. He's the one to hate, to, to get rid of these hated Gentile Roman oppressors and we, the nation of Israel, will be um, sovereign and, and all, almighty and powerful once again. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, and we esteemed him not. We esteemed him not. Perhaps you, you were here this evening, and so far in your life, you have not esteemed the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you've thought nothing of him. He's just the man which the preacher gets up every Sunday and, and, and talks and shouts about. He is despised and rejected of man. man. He has no form, no comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I'm sure if you really love the Lord Jesus Christ and you know him as your saviour, you un then you understand Christ's true beauty. True beauty. That wonderful, beautiful salvation that we find in him. But physically, there is no form, no comeliness that we should desire him. And going back to 1 Samuel... There, um, uh, you know, compare, compare the sons of Jesse, David and his brothers. It says there uh, um, that 
before Samuel, Jesse brought all his sons before him. And, and Samuel said, no, that's not him. No, that's not him. No, that's not him. And they, he brought in order from the oldest and most eligible, the most socially powerful and wonderful. Don't forget, this was an old patriarchal um, society. The eldest son had it all and was it all, if you understand what I mean. The youngest, well, you know, he was nothing. But listen, as we read on, and um, verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. So all of the sons, all of the sons, bar one, Jesse had put before Samuel, is this the anointed one? Is this going to be the king of Israel? No, 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 none. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy sons, all thy children? And Jesse said, there remaineth yet the youngest. There remaineth yet the youngest. And don't, don't think now in our lovely modern British 20 first century society, oh, look at the youngest child, aren't they really cute? It was nothing to do about that. It was nothing to do with that at all. It was, it was almost um, derogatory. He is just the youngest. He's not important. He's not even worth bringing here to put before you. Socially, he's the littlest. Socially, he's the nothing. Socially, he's the not going to get anywhere son. He's just the youngest and further, he says, behold. And when the Bible says in the King James Bible, behold, it means be held with this coming fact. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. How utterly disgusting. He keepeth the sheep. He's a shepherd. No, not as a shepherd as we have here in Britain. You know, they drive around on the quads and they've got the sheepdog to do, do all the, all, all the uh, running around and everything. The shepherds in ancient Israel were a despised people. They were rejected people. The shepherds, at the, at, um, when the, the, the um, angel came and told them about the birth of Christ, they were in, in, the, in the field by night attending, tending to the, their she- to the sheep, their flocks, and that's where they lived because the, they were rejected from society. They'll only do to be a shepherd. Shepherds were nothing. Shepherds were down and out. Shepherds were looked upon. Down, I'm sorry, looked down upon in that society. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. That's the way he was saying this. You, you, you don't want to have anything to do with him. He's just my little youngest offspring. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Send and fetch him. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that this description of David as a foreshadowing of David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the fact that of him it says, he keepeth the sheep. Are you seeing where I'm going with that? He keepeth the sheep. I am so thankful this evening that he keepeth the sheep. He's kept this sheep. This sheep often wanders off. Do you see what I'm saying? Yet, that son of Bethlehem, 
He keepeth the sheep. Turn over with me one page to chapter 17. Later on, David is speaking to Saul. And verse 34 of of, um, chapter 17. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant, that is myself, David, kept his father's sheep. Jesus keeps his father's sheep. If you are one of his now, you are one of his pasture, one of his sheep, he keepeth thee. No man can pluck you out of my hand. No man can pluck you out of my father's hand, Christ says in John chapter 10. But David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. That's what the devil has done to each and every man, woman, and child that has been born, the devil, and the flesh has taken that poor lamb out of the flock of God. I'm not saying they were saved to begin with. I'm not talking about that. My theology is right. But what I'm saying is they've been taken by sin out of the flock, out of the pasture, out of the fold of God. The lion came. The lusts of the world, the flesh, the pride of life, and the devil. The lion and the bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, and I went. Christ came down. Christ came down. I went out after him. And smote him. You see, Satan may have bruised Christ's heel. Satan may have bruised Christ's heel. But Christ smote Satan at Calvary. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. Each and every one of us here as born again believers on the Lord Jesus Christ can say without any doubt that we were rescued out of the very jaws of death and of hell. We were hurtling headlong down in deep into the pit of everlasting damnation and destruction in an eternal hell. But Christ came and I went out after my sheep. I went out after the lamb. Jesus said, Has Jesus, wonderful, lovely, tender Jesus, has he done this for you? Do you know that he has done this for you? If not, call upon his name tonight. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. What a deliverance. What a deliverance. The more you go through your Christian life, the more you realize that even though you are saved, You are not kept by your own good works and kept by your own ability to wonderfully live up to God's standards, but you are kept by the grace of God. You are kept by that grace of God. And it says, and he delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. I slew him. What a beautiful picture David is of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The form of Messiah. You see the form of Messiah. Why is it that the Jewish people rejected him? And clearly, so clearly, it's speaking of him. A thousand years, they had a thousand years before he was to step foot upon the green acres of the land in Israel and in Jerusalem. The form of Messiah. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. Are you glad this evening that he keepeth the sheep? 
I'm so glad I've been saved for 19 years. I'm so glad that he keepeth this sheep. I'm so very glad. Going back to verse 11 of 1 Samuel 16. There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. Now, we won't go into the study of the tabernacle. Now, because we don't have time. I'm sure you all know, many of you at least know about the tabernacle. And the service of the priests in the tabernacle. And if you know anything about it, the bowls that they had with the blood offering, it had a round bottom to it. It didn't have a flat stand. They couldn't put it down. They actually couldn't put it down until the offering was complete. If you study the furniture items in the tabernacle, the, uh, in, in the holy place of the tabernacle, you have the, the, the table of showbread, you have the candlestick on the south side, and the altar of incense um, on, the, on the other side. And of course, the, you have the, um, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony in the Holy of Holies. We read about it in the book of Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews in the New Testament. But what is noticeable is there is no seat for the priests. There is no chair. Why? Because the priests under the Mosaic system, the Old Testament um, law of Moses, their work never ended. Of course, it's obsolete now because Christ has come. But the sacrifice went on and on and on and on to cover, atone for, tins, for sins. And you know the word atonement has got nothing to do with at one month. That's just an accident of English language. It's nothing to do with at one month. Atonement means covering. That's all it means, covering. So they were atoning for the sins of Israel. They were covering, literally covering over the sins of Israel until Shiloh comes, until the Messiah comes. And John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. No longer atoning in that sense of covering, but taketh away the sins of the world. How marvellous it, it was, and it should have been to the Jewish years at that time. But the point is, there was no seat in the tabernacle. The, the priest's work was never finished. And the New Testament says, but after he had, Christ had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. He, you know, he'd finished, the atonement was complete. And that's foreshadowed here in verse 11. It says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, that is David, for we will not sit down. And they were, they were performing the sacrifice. We will not sit down till he come hither till Messiah comes hither, is what it's pointing to, is very clear. That's the, the, the form of Messiah. Now, he does go on to say in verse 12, and he sent and brought him in, David in. Now, he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. Um, it may seem contradictory there to what I said about him not being beautiful. And the Lord, it says, he had no form, no comeliness that, um, that we should desire him. But the actual Hebrew there, what it says when it says he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance, ruddy means was he was a young stripling and he, ha he had handsome eyes. And that's what it means there. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So we've seen 
the name of Messiah, the town of Messiah, the form of Messiah. And finally, very, very briefly, the seal of Messiah. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. In the midst of his brethren. And that's interesting as well. He anointed David in the midst of David's brethren. Christ was anointed and his baptism in the midst of his brethren, the Jewish people. He was, he was anointed there. Um, And the the oil is the, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, as you know. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jehovah, came upon David from that day forward. And as in after his baptism, as Christ came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And the voice of the Father from heaven. And there we have the perfect trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descending upon Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. He went back to his place. You don't hear much, you don't hear much about John the Baptist after that, do you? After Christ's baptism. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You know, there's the Trinity. There's the anointing of Jesus Christ at his um, baptism. The Holy Trinity, the, 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 um, the seal of Messiah. He was sealed just in prophecy, in prophetic form here. He, the, the David had that seal of the, of the Holy Spirit come upon him as in the Old Testament dispensation, the Holy Spirit would come down upon, uh, uh, and fill a, a man or a woman at, at that time. Um, we as believers, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour tonight, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within. And there's a wonderful verse in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 which speaks to us of this sealing, of this anointing. It says in verse 13, In whom, that is in Christ, ye also trusted. Have you trusted Christ this evening? In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and to the praise of his glory. So in verse 13, there's the gospel in the nutshell. You trust after you heard the word of truth, after you hear the, the word of God, the preaching of the Bible, the preaching of the Holy Scriptures, you hear the gospel of your salvation, and then after you've heard that, you trust in it. It says, and in whom after that ye believed, after you believed, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Are you sealed? Do you have that Holy Spirit dwelling within? Do you have him dwelling within? Do you know this Messiah, the one who, who, who was despised and was rejected of men for you this evening? And if you do, if you do, do you love him? Are you, are you, are you head over heels in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do, do you realise what it means what it meant to the Lord when he went out after his lamb and snatched, snatched him.
from the jaws of the lion? Do you love that fact of that blessing in your life? Do you love the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord? Come with me to the sacrifice, were the words of Samuel. Let's pray. 